0: Prepare to be astonished! It's that time again.
1: Let's get started.
0: From the Clatsop
1: County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Mac Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking.
2: And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac. And Alana. Good evening, and welcome to an adventure in history. We are in the final week—the final countdown before Christmas. (laughs) So, in either of your homes, do you do a countdown to Christmas, like advent calendar? You know, as a
1: kid, we had that, and there was like a candy on each day that would like pull off. But we've not really done that in my in my adult household.
0: My kids are grown and gone, so the calendar went away. I think
2: (laughs) you think. So uh, we, we do have a countdown. We do both books under the tree. So they've a wrapped book that they open.
1: And they know it's a book.
2: They know it's a book. Well, yeah, they know it's a book. One every day? One every day. I only did the 12 days of Christmas this year, but I've, I've done the 24 days. And it's a neat little countdown because with my kids, too, I can rewrap books because they're <laughs> holiday books. <laughs> you know, they don't remember them. Don't <laughs> um, <laughs> but and, now they know. And then there's an advent, too, where there's... Andy, that they pull out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's fun. There we go.
1: So we're a week out.
2: We are, and we have a special guest here tonight. Before we get into the interview, um, do you want to say a little bit about yourself real quick about maybe what you're doing for the holiday week ahead?
0: Sure. Actually, my kids are older now, uh, 24 to 32, and uh, they're coming out this weekend. So we're doing Christmas a week early because as our kids get older and they marry, we have to share them. With the in-laws. So they're going to be down in Eugene doing that stuff. And all my kids are coming up this weekend. And so we'll decorate the tree and do the uh, holiday meal and all that stuff together. And so we're busy busily cleaning the house (laughs) a week before Christmas. Right.
2: Before it's so, so, destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, just, like, so, just like the old days.
0: So does
1: that flip like this year you get them a week ahead and the next year you'll get them for Christmas?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we had the kids for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and then we, and we don't have them for next week Christmas.
2: But you can celebrate any day.
0: We do right. and we celebrate all the time for different holidays and stuff. And I just had my birthday last week and we're always celebrating. It's the nice thing about being a retired teacher <laughs> is that I've got time. So does anyone
2: recognize this re- retired teacher yet?
1: I would hope some, some former students do. I Mr. Hope.
2: John Meyer. That's right. Is here tonight. And we're going to talk a little bit more about your <laughs> history and, and why you're here. But first.
1: But first, making history. Yes. We've got one more week of tea and, well, we've been doing oh, it on yes. the weekends, but tea and plum pudding in the Flavel mm-hmm. House, still available from the 26th through the 30th, every afternoon from 1 to 4. you got to be in the house by 3.30 it's wonderful. We talked about it uh, last week. Plum uh-huh. pudding, how delicious it I is! Know. And it's not like the ancient recipes. I notice it. It's in, like a cake. Ev-
2: in so many things now, too. I mean, it's in commercials. It's all <laughs> over the place.
1: For and why isn't it more common when it is really kind of everywhere?
2: It's everywhere. Yeah. Because I don't think that it's always as tastey, tasty as it is at the Flavel House. That's true.
1: It's yeah. tastier when it, it's in the Flavel House. It is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, every day from the 26th through the 30th one to four uh, it's a fundraiser so it's just 12 bucks though if you're an, a non-member of the historical Society if you're a member it's ten bucks yeah or, or you a become
2: a member for thirty dollars 35 dollars 35 and then you Excellent. get the ten dollars
1: all right so we' ready to uh, get to this because we've got Let's a full do show it. we do so these are history highlights things that happen tomorrow December 19th so if you want to be smart with your friends or yeah. icebreakers as the family's getting together. 1686 Whoa! Robinson Crusoe Leaves his island After 28 years At least uh, According to Daniel Defoe's uh, Famous novel oh. I did not remember this That he actually Had a date
2: Right so Or I, that he was that old Yeah I didn't realize <laughs> Well he was on the island 16. For
1: a long time Yeah Right So 28 years He was stuck there uh, 1732 Benjamin Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac is published. Oh, we had a whole show about Benjamin Franklin. Yes, it was very juvenile. Yes, because <laughs> Benjamin Franklin was very juvenile. Yes, all right. One uh, of your favorites, but we still like him. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, we're probably you know his wife didn't like him as much as we like him. <laughs> um, Seventeen seventy-seven, the Continental Army enters the winter camp at Valley Forge.
2: Okay, it's cold.
1: It it was Rural. very cold. <laughs> Have you yeah. ever been there? No. Ever been there? Not been there. No. It's it's an it's a pretty neat place. Um. I, I only visited in the middle of the summer though, so I can't like really know what it was like and how cold it was. Uh let's see. Nineteen seventeen. National Hockey League opens its first season. Oh. I'm not a hockey fan, but I figured somebody might be what year? Nineteen seventeen. Wow. Doesn't it seem kinda late?
2: I well, I don't know, I guess early, I was thinking, but
0: Canada. Yep. Open <laughs> yeah. I don't. I didn't write I mean, down the word a "open." So. <laughs> That's yeah.
2: Makes and, sense. And
1: maybe, maybe yeah. Maybe they'd been playing it for years and years and years. But the modern but the incarnation. Yeah. 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 That could be. Uh, 1918. Now I don't know if this one's really true or not. I don't know if I believe it. But 1918, Robert Ripley begins his "Believe It or Not" column. Oh. I do believe it. I just thought I'd be silly. Yeah. Uh, it's it in not. the New York Globe. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Fun. So I have to admit, I, I'm a fan of the Ripley, believe it or not, like museums, pseudo-museums. What dare you, you call through. them museums. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of made air quotes. Entertainment. They, yep. they are fun, though. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, 1972, the last lunar landing mission ends. Yep, saw that. Yeah. Between 1969 and 1972, six successful lunar landing missions. And this last one saw, and I'm sad that we nobody knows these names. You know, I mean, we've forgotten all the other guys, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but uh, Eugene A. Cernan and Harrison Schmidt, and they have the record. They stayed for seventy-five hours on the surface. Oh wow! wow. And doesn't that just seem kind of? I, I don't. To me, it seems kind of short.
2: Right, because you what like they would have slept. It's a long. Right? It's a yeah. long
1: weekend. It's a long yeah. way to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Jump around on the a moon. A lot of work, <laughs> and they brought back like two hundred and sixty-eight pounds of of rocks, rocks. and stuff. <laughs> But when you think about it, it's it's just a long weekend on the moon. But I hope we're going back.
2: You want to go back to the moon? You want to I, go, do you want to go back to the moon?
1: I would go. Yeah. I would go in a heartbeat. There you go. Yeah. And I think we ought to be there. I think we ought to have a moon base there. Even if it's just to collect rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I love the space stuff. Uh, 1984. Britain agrees to return Hong Kong to China. Oops, sorry, we took this. Yeah. So... Uh, 1998, President Bill Clinton is impeached. Yes. We're not going to make any comments on this one. Right. I thought about it, but we'll skip. <laughs> but our history highlight of the day, the thing I think had the most impact on history on this day, 1843, A Christmas Carol is published.
2: I saw that.
1: I like yeah. that. I just think it had a lot of impact.
2: It did, because, on lots you know, of how movies. Many, how many
1: How many right? stories, movies, TV shows have done like a takeoff on it? Oh, so, what so I mean, many.
2: Uh, 1990, Bo Jackson becomes the first athlete named to the NFL and MLB All-Star Games. Definitely kind of a good athlete.
1: You know, the amazing thing about him yep. is he, he continues to play after he has a hip replacement. <laughs> and I have a, a friend back back at the time that was a, a um, orthopedic surgeon. And he was always amazed by that. He's like, you just can't do that. How is he, do- if he gets hit in any way, shape, or form, oh. he's like, you can't do that with a, a hip replacement.
2: Well, can't you just get another one? I think maybe. <laughs> I think when you're Bo Jackson, you know.
1: Uh,
2: 1997, the Titanic <clears throat> sails into theaters. Uh, that one just barely made our history.
1: Fan or not a fan?
2: Oh, I don't know. I remember sitting in the movie theater watching it when it came out and crying for almost like The whole movie, and then just thinking afterwards, what a waste. There's room on the raft for him. Right. (laughs) There's room on the the door for him. The whole movie is sad, but but then again, like like we go into the theater knowing how it's going to end. Yeah, don't tell me I've never seen it. (laughs) So, (laughs) right. So I don't I don't know that they could have done much different with that. But it was long, very long. Yes. Yeah.
0: Opinions? An intermission might have helped. <laughs> I forgot to go to the bathroom. Oh, and man. And th- when the water started rushing down oh, no. the hallways <laughs> to the very end. Which is right, like an hour and a half right now. Mo- I know. Yeah. It was a long time to wait. And right when the movie was ended, there were like 20 guys just running up the aisles and <laughs> for the bathroom. We all blew it. Yeah. I'll learn a lesson. It was a powerful lesson with right. Titanic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's the takeaway. Go to the the bathroom before you get (laughs) on board. I mean, their (laughs) partners
2: are like crying next to them. So they're like, well, we can't sneak away.
1: (laughs) All right. But I do think everybody should be outlawed from if they're ever on a boat on the front of the boat doing the Titanic pose.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah.
1: Just just saying. Or if you do it, you can't take a selfie of it.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It feels pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've done it a number of times. <laughs> getting, oh, there you go. I'm, I'm getting voted down on this one. Yeah. Apparently. So, so what else did I miss? Anything?
2: Nothing. That was it. Oh, all right. Yeah. So we get to move on to John and, and why you're here. What's your history? What's your big Titanic story? <laughs>
1: okay. You know, the Titanic was
0: a disaster. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> That's terrible. But,
2: but it stood the test of time.
0: The story. Well, there have been disasters along the way, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's part of being human. There you go. I mean, I I think the biggest t- takeaway mm. was that I made it out of L.A. and Santa Monica intact and alive and, you know, w- was able to find my home up here in Oregon.
2: So tell us know. about that. How how What age was that then that you ventured north?
0: Yeah, so we... Um, I've been moving north since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, grew up in the whole skating, surfing, dog town thing in Santa Monica in the 70s. And went to Chico State for five years and learned how to ride mountain bikes and get outside <laughs> and all that kind of stuff up in Northern Cal. And then I worked in uh, Santa Cruz for seven or eight years where I met my wife and ran youth camps. And. Did outdoor school uh, in the redwood forests oh, down nice. there and taking yeah. kids tide pooling and natural bridges and surfing all over the place in Santa Cruz and really like Santa Cruz. But we couldn't afford to live there in the 90s. I don't know how people can afford to live there now. Right. So we started having children and it was like, we got to get out of here because it's unaffordable it's unsustainable for us as you know an outdoor school teacher making a hundred bucks a week
1: so (laughs) what point in your life did you decide you wanted to be a teacher how did that happen
0: you know i i was teaching um and lifeguarding and pools in college and i've always been a good swimmer and all that kind of stuff and and i found myself really enjoying hanging out with kids you know they kept me young and it was fun and creative and everybody every day is different so I ran pools for, I don't know, seven or eight years. And we got into Santa Cruz, and I was teaching outdoor school. And I'm thinking, this is kind of kind of fun, outdoor school, you know, running camps mm-hmm. in the summertime, doing outdoor school in the fall and the spring, you know, three or four days a week. And then you'd surf three or four <laughs> days a week. And it was a pretty sweet lifestyle, but I couldn't support a family, you know. I couldn't buy a house, couldn't buy a nice car, nothing like that. So then um, Willamette came up in Oregon. My my wife is from Monmouth. So she grew up in an educated family. Mm-hmm. He was a professor. Her dad was a professor at Western, a uh, science professor. And and I thought, you know, I can get a master's degree uh, in teaching up at Willamette. And, you know, at that time, it wasn't that expensive. And so we, I moved up here and that was pretty much it. I, I liked summers off. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved 10 weeks off in the summer and a couple of weeks off in the, Wintertime and spring break and all that kind of stuff. And it just afforded me a lifestyle, I think, that was fun. It was like a a niche right off the bat.
2: So what grade did you go into teaching then, right away?
0: So it seems like there's lots of job openings in the junior high. Imagine that. Shocking.
1: (laughs) I've said it before. That's why we segregate them, because
0: that's a horrible age. (laughs) It is a really crazy time because they're not kids and they're not adults and they're right they're just kind of right in there
2: and they're emotional right <laughs> I mean
0: yeah so so I got my master's at Willamette and I actually interviewed at Astoria and they didn't get back to me and in the meantime I'm thinking I got to get a job you know it's now end of June or something and I just got my degree and and then uh, Roseburg called. So I went down to Roseburg for a couple of years and taught eighth grade literature and language arts and did some cr- crazy cool things with those country kids down there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the irony was, you know, it's Roseburg, it's like timber country. And this was during Spotted Owls and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm a, Card carrying member of the Sierra Club, you know, save the owls and all that kind of hug a tree. Mm-hmm. And so it was really fun for me as a teacher to get to be involved in these are kids that their aspirations in Roseburg were, I want to drive a log truck like my dad. And I really had to adjust my thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, good for you, you know? I mean, that's what you're going to do and that's what you're. Called to do and do it.
1: Would they challenge you that I don't need to know this because that's what I'm going to do with my life? Some,
0: yeah, some. I mean, we would read some literature, you know, some Edgar Allan Poe and Walt Whitman and stuff like that, and they kind of go, you know, it's kind of romantic or something, or it's kind of too heady for me or thoughtful for Mm -hmm. me and stuff. So when I proposed the idea of taking Roseburg. Eighth graders to Washington, D.C., right, for a week. Wow. Smithsonian's, the Treasury, you know, the Hard Rock Cafe. Let's meet Mark Hatfield. Oh, nice. Let's meet, we met Bob Packwood.
2: At the time. Well, at yeah. the right well, time. Yeah. We'll gloss over Or that. at the wrong time. <laughs> wow. So at the
0: time. But we did it, and they we pulled it off, you know, and it was so exciting for me and my wife went too. um that we took 16 13 and 14 year olds to washington dc yeah wow and we we went in the halls of congress and the library of congress and the treasury and all this kind of stuff and these kids man their eyes were opened i mean we went through arlington cemetery and all the smithsonians And these are country kids. And it really shocked me, you know, one of the first days that we were there, we went to the Hard Rock Cafe, and there were a couple of African-American guys standing out in front as like the, you know, the greeters or whatever. Mm -hmm. My kids had me take a picture of them with a black person. They had never seen a black person in their life. They're 14. Yeah, I grew up in L.A. All my friends were black and and Hispanic, all of them. I didn't even, I didn't know it even existed that they were black, you know. I just went to all black parties and all my Mexican friends, and we rode bikes together. And it's like, I don't even know. And to have a kid say, here's my phone, Mr. Meyer, take a picture. I've never seen a black guy before. Blew my mind. It's like, oh, my goodness. Wow. This is a different world, you know, Roseburg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's where I started, and that was kind of the eye-opening thing, and, uh, and then I got, got a call from uh, Broadway Middle School, and mm-hmm. I came up and taught junior high at the Broadway, um, which was a great experience and that kind of stuff. So,
2: and so how long did you stay there? Because you stayed there a while.
0: Yeah, I was at Broadway for, for nine years. Yeah. yeah, and while we were at Broadway, um, near the end of that nine years, I taught physical science, uh, and I taught it in a way that I figured if I'm having fun, you know, teaching it, they're having fun too. So we would, we do, we would do all hands-on and experiential. That was my master's kind of thesis mm-hmm. emphasis was experiential learning versus just books and, you know, read this and memorize that. So we built magnetic levitation cars on tracks. We built catapults. We built uh, rockets and did Newtonian physics and time and energy and all that kind of stuff. And I think one of my favorite uh, capstone uh, events was for Three Springs. I don't know how the district let us get away with this, but. i turned my science class into a full-on wood shop power tools the whole deal we built life-size racing um, go-karts you know like a soapbox derby cars wow i mean wheels brakes they had to have steering mechanisms (laughs) no helmets required and we would load them on the flatbed truck you know at the district And haul them up to the hill in Gearhart, I think is 4th Avenue. I had checkered flags, and man, it was great. We built 60, 70 cars a spring. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And the kids are racing them down and crashing and having a great time. And they learned the Newton physics. I mean, they got it because they got to do it. So those were kind of glory days for sure in the middle school.
2: So, so hands-on, outdoors, all of this together, this brings us to your current pastime or one of your pastimes, which is brought you to, uh, creating a trail system right near the new
0: schools. Yeah. So, so, um, we right at the end of the, the nine years was the no child left behind. And I was teaching 180 kids a day and they wanted me to go back to school to get another degree in science. Well, I've already got one in environmental geography. I've already got one in recreation and parks management, and I got a master's and they wanted me to get another degree or you can go to the elementary school. (laughs) Well, okay. I'll go to the elementary school. (laughs) I went went for uh, a couple of years and taught fourth grade uh, and then fifth grade. And so now at the elementary school, Um, there had been a long, kind of long history at the elementary school of teachers being on trail. And I think it probably goes back to one of the legacy educators in Seaside School District was Neil Main. Neil Main went on to, you know, the North Coast Land Conservancy and his amazing photography of the natural world around us and how significant, you know, Seaside and Gearhart and the whole class of planes and Astoria and the river and ah, so he was kind of my I'm I'm aiming for Neil you know he just had a way with kids and he had a way to get kids outdoors out of the classroom and so he established there was one simple kind of trail dropping down by Coho Creek and they had done some fish hatchery boxes um, and had begun to do some kind of things Uh, and so when i arrived there was really none of that going on Hmm. so i started right away this is early 2000s i think by this time um building trails just pitchforking and shoveling and weeds and you know my son and i and his boy scout troop built a couple of bridges over ridge creek which is the creek right behind the hospital yeah, I get salmon up there and stuff. And so we extended and expanded the trail system around the elementary school to the point that, you know, coming back from recess, you could take a five-minute diversion and walk kids in the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm going to do that. You know, I mean, I'm, when you and I were kids, you know, I'd come home from school and mom would say, go play outside. Nowadays, no. Parents are uh, nervous about letting their kids just play outside. Just go play in the forest. Mm-hmm. That's not happening, you know. <laughs> They're playing on cell phones and stuff and computers and that kind of stuff. So I figure I turned out okay <laughs> without playing on cell phones and you know, all that computer stuff. And I know trees and I know nature. Mm-hmm. And I love the quiet and the peace of it. So I took my kids out once or twice or three times a week on trail. And when I see them now, years later, they comment. They say, Mr. Meyer, that was so cool, man. You took us out on trails and stuff. And now they're hunting and fishing, and they're taking their own kids out on trails. So it's like, let's get outside, you know? Enough of this screen stuff and all the trauma and the psychoses that develop because of that addiction and because of that influence into our lives, instant information and access and entertainment. Hey, man, turn that thing off and let's go outside. So a couple of years ago, I think it was three years ago, I built um, cedar slab benches at the elementary school trails. There's eight of them and they can, you know, take a whole classroom of kids And man, that's just been game changer for a bunch of teachers, you know, Mm -hmm. that they take their kids up there and they just sit and listen. You know? They point when they hear a bird. They might lie down and and watch the trees just gently swaying in the breeze. And I mean, that's that's where I think some value of being a human being in a in a natural environment cuz you're a part of that you know you can feel it you can see it you can hear it it's real that's ultimately real versus virtual real yeah. you know so i've been doing that for i think i taught at the elementary school for 17 or 18 years
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Did you love it? I mean, was that just, did that become then your niche, that age group?
0: Yeah, it really did. I think I was the most time in fifth grade, you know, and I really appreciated the fifth graders because we got to go to outdoor school, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. That's right up my alley. full circle. (laughs) And, And that they were so capable academically. They could write. They could read you know they're working on their math always working on their math <laughs> <laughs> the bane but they were interesting and they had a sense of humor and they were game and i could talk to them as you know i i i hit a i hit a ledge i think a lot of teachers do where it gets to the point maybe after 10 or 15 years man this is a job mm. And I never wanted to to be in that mindset, getting up in the morning on a Tuesday and think, I got to go do my job. So I came to that place in my life. And it's like, wait a minute. I remember my teachers as a kid. And I remember how significant they were to me to, to treat me like a human being, not to treat me like a parent. Sometimes mm-hmm. treats their kids, you know, not to treat them like some disciplinarian or some, you know, hard nosed you know, military dude. <laughs> I grew up in, my stepdad was kind of military and kind of strict and stuff. I, I, I wanted to change my perspective. So I came in and after spending some time in the islands and stuff, the whole idea of uncle, you know, anybody older than you is your uncle or your auntie. <laughs> And you listen to them, you know. They, they, they're older than you, and they're smarter than you. They have more life experience than you. So I started about, well, I had, I had Chuck Albright's daughter, uh, Ab- Abby. So that was probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. And she said, Mr. Meyer, I really like it when you tell stories. <laughs> stories about your life and stories about just life and what's going on. And from that moment, that kind of changed it for me. So every morning, you know, I'd meet with my kids, and I would talk some story with them about real life, you know? Yeah. Cutting wood on the river or catching a salmon or, you know, surfing with friends and stuff like that. I
1: I think that resonates because I think you can tell as a kid, almost any age, the teachers that it's a job versus the teachers that love it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the ones that it's a job did love it at some point and, yeah. and probably do in some fashion, but it is a job mm-hmm. versus a passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A passion and, and really a ministry, you know, for me, I mean, I got kicked out of my house at 13. So, yeah. Yeah. So I needed to be uncle to some other kids who, who could be having a hard life too.
2: That's great. Thank yeah. you, yeah.
1: I have no doubt you've made a, a huge difference in a lot of lives just by the passion. I've, I've never met you before now, but I can tell yeah. that uh, that you made a difference in a lot of kids' lives. We've got about 30 seconds. What's your favorite trail?
0: The favorite trail is, oh, yeah. is the trail we're working on right now. It starts at the high school track. It's called Ridgeline. It's a cross-country running track for the high school. Yeah. It's a hiking trail for the community, and it is a mountain bike trail oh. for the rest of us who liked a mountain bike. So oh, we built in de dupes and bank turns and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. And we are getting approval tonight to build an outdoor classroom up on top of the hill above the high school called the perch.
2: I love it. Wow.
0: Yeah. It's amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, we could have done a two parter here.
2: We could well, We always, we always tease. We're going to bring these people back. So <laughs> we're going to start circling back <laughs> through here. We
1: do. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.